Gutterson on a delayed penalty call has given St. Louis a 3-2 win and a 1-1 tie in the Stanley Cup Final. And that was Jim Houston's call on Carl Gunnarsson's overtime winner in Game 2 versus the Bruins. Hi, I'm Thomas Fessio, and alongside me is Andrew Flager for the End-to-End Puck Talk podcast, episode number 15. Andrew, what's going on? I'm not bad, Thomas. The Raptors won last night, so Toronto's buzzing. The GTA's buzzing. There's a lot of hype here in the city, uh, and Raptors are in the friggin' NBA Finals, baby, so everyone's having with that here. Yeah, and then, um, the Memorial is starting this weekend. Uh, do you want to mention who you got bets for in that? Yes, I have a lot of faith in Rory Sabatini. He's a Slovakian uh, with an English name and an Italian <laughs> last name. Um, I have a lot of, not a lot of money on him, but I have a lot of bets on him uh, this weekend. I have him to finish top five, top 10, top 20, and as the top continental Euro player this weekend in the Memorial Tourney. Um, and that's because in his last five tournaments, he's finished tied for sixth, tied for fifth, tied for 18th, tied for third, and tied for 10th. So I think he's going to continue his success. Uh, if you could live bet him, I think he, when I last looked, I think he was one over and he was tied for like 53rd or something, which isn't bad. The leader's uh, seven under. So uh, after today and the weekend, he, he could get back up there. Hopefully he finishes in top five. I win lots of money. Yeah, you win lots of money. Um, we'll get to the hockey news as we always start with. Um, the first news that we're going to talk about is from Edmonton. Uh, there's been a lot of news from Edmonton in the past couple months. And this is their head coach now. Uh, Dave Tippett has been hired by the Edmonton Oilers as their new head coach. Um, D- Dave Tippett has won 553 games in his 14-year career as a head coach for the Coyotes and the Stars. Uh, He was recently a senior advisor for the Seattle Expansion franchise. Obviously, he's leaving that project now to become the head coach of Edmonton. Um, What do you feel about this, uh, Flager? What do you feel about this hiring? Well, Edmonton's trying to make moves, I think. They're trying to get out of the gutter. Um, We'll see how it turns out. I mean, I think Dave Tippett has kind of had a little bit of success uh, coaching. yeah, like, we'll see how it turns out, I think. Edmonton just needs a change of scenery, I think, and that's mm-hmm. why they're making this hiring. Yeah, that's what I think about it. What about yeah. you, Thomas? Well, yeah, the new GM, Ken Holland, uh, stepped in there, and he's making some signings. Uh, we'll mention a signing later that's coming up. Uh, but Dave Tippett, I think, is a good coach, and I think it's going to be an excellent coach for the young players. Um, I wouldn't say Edmonton has Edmonton has the best veteran presence on the team. Like, I don't think they have the most like skilled veterans on the team, but he, Dave Tippett can deal with a lot of the veterans on his teams uh, in, in the Coyotes. He dealt with a lot of them and they made the young guys uh, elevate their game. Always. Um, he had, yeah, he, he had Mike Smith in goal um, when he was with the Coyotes. Uh, Edmonton is actually rumored to get Mike Smith in free agency as their backup goalie to Miko Koskinen, who has a horrible contract by the way. Um, but I, yeah, I think, it, I think, Dave Tippett is good hiring for the Oilers, and uh, hopefully it's good uh, going to next year. The Oilers also made another move. I'll just mention it right now. Yeah, they yeah. signed Joseph Gambardella to a two-year extension. Uh, he just played in his, his rookie season, kind of. He played 15 games, had three assists and three points, uh, and two penalty minutes. He was a plus two for the Edmonton Oilers this season. Uh, he's 25 years old. He's from Staten Island, New York. Uh, he's a 93 baby, and he's kind of – he's not short, but he's 5'10". He weighs 196. Um, I don't really know too much about him. Uh, he does play center, by the way. And, yeah, I think the Oilers are just trying to make a bunch of moves here, uh, try to get something going this upcoming season and turn turn their franchise around. Hopefully, I would like to see that happen, especially because Connor McDavid's there. He's uh, the next Sidney Crosby, as everyone's been saying. Yeah, uh, He's probably the best, one of the best for sure. NHL players in the league right now, although he's not on a great team. And he's not, uh, so, and yeah, he's not in the playoffs either. And we want to see, of course, McDavid. yeah, we do want to see that. We do want to see the Oilers and and Connor McDavid make the playoffs. So hopefully, I know we do kind of talk about the Oilers a lot, and we do shit on them. I will say, <laughs> quite a bit, but I, I do want to see them turn things around. It'd be nice to see them have some success next season, and in the future as well. 
Yeah, and another team uh, who's probably not going to make the playoffs next year as well, uh, the Ottawa Senators, the infamous Ottawa Senators. Um, they signed Josh Norris to a three-year entry-level contract. Uh, Josh Norris was part of the Eric Carlson trade to San Jose. Um, he's a number one draft choice, first round, 19th overall by the Sharks. Uh, Norris recorded 19 points in 17 games for University of Michigan last year. I think he's going to make the team next year. Uh, I hope he does. I'd like to see Josh Norris in the NHL. I think he's a very skilled uh, forward. Uh, and, and Ottawa needs that on their team. Uh, they don't have enough good forwards that can consistently get points. And to see him and Colin White play together, Colin White, a fellow uh, American, I think that would be good for the um, the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, as you mentioned, he got 19 points uh, in 17 games for University of Michigan last year. Uh, and I'm a big Michigan Wolverines fan. I don't watch NCAA hockey much, but you know what's kind of cool? He played at the University of Michigan, and he's also from Oxford, Michigan. So that's I thought that was kind of kind of neat. Do you want to mention uh, the other signer? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Anders Nielsen signed a two-year extension worth $2.6 million per season. Thoughts on this, Thomas? Sens are making moves, eh? Well, yeah. Josh Norris, now Nielsen, and uh, they just got a new head coach. They've been yeah. making work. Well, what do you I think mean, about this signing? Well, to what your point you just mentioned, like uh, the rebuilding teams have to do the, what they got to do. Uh, they got to make changes in order to have success. Can't just go with the same team you had as last year and hope for the best. Uh, moving on to Nilsson, I think he's an okay goalie in the NHL. Uh, I think he stands at six foot eight in the net when he's on skates. So he's a big goalie and you can definitely work with that. Uh, I don't know how old he is. I think he's 27 or 28 29. years old. He's 29, 29. years old. Okay. Yeah. So that will bring him to 31 years of age at the end of his contract with the Senators. I think I don't think he's going to be the starter for sure. I don't think he will be. But um, if you were to split with another goalie on their team, Craig Anderson, that would be okay for the Senators moving forward into this rebuild. Uh, they don't need the goalie yet. When, they're, when their team starts getting good, I think they're going to need to bring in a better goalie than Nilsson and Craig Anderson. But for the time being, I think Nilsson's a fine goalie to go when you rebuild with. Uh, he doesn't come at a high cost, and he's not a horrible goalie. So I think this is a good move for the Senators. Uh, yeah, as many people know, Nilsson was traded from the Vancouver Canucks um, in January this past season, and he played 24 games with the Ottawa Senators. He had uh, 11 wins and 11 losses. So he his record, uh, I mean, his plus-minus as a goalie technically was even. Uh, but you're right, I think... He probably will end up splitting time. I know Craig Anderson's also getting a little bit older as well. Um, and, yeah, I think you basically nailed it. The The shitty teams in the league need to yeah. rebuild and kind of turn things around, and that's what the Sens are looking to do as well as the Oilers. So, And um, a forward from the IHF World Hockey Championship, uh, we made an episode for the N10 Puck Talk podcast weeks ago. Um, a forward that actually did very, very well in the tournament is signed by the Blackhawks, and he goes by the name of Dominic Kubalik. Uh, he signed a one-year contract with uh, worth 925k with the Blackhawks. Uh, Kubalik played for the Czech Republic, obviously, as we mentioned, in the World Championship, and he also was the Swiss League MVP this past season. So the Blackhawks are looking at this player thinking he could come in and make not a significant impact, but make an impact um, in the depth role for their uh, lineup. Nashville Predators re-signed their AHL captain, Jared Tenorti, to an extension worth 700K at the NHL level and 300K at the AHL level. I don't know too much about him, uh, but I think that's just a more of a move for their AHL team. I don't yeah. know if he'll actually make the, the Predators roster next season. I know they got some good players there. So we'll see in the future to come. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have also re-signed their defenseman, Yuso Ricola, <laughs> yes, to a one-year contract worth 850k. Yeah, I like how you mentioned Ricola because that's how you pronounce it. Um, Ricola, I think, is a very puck-moving defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguin, Penguins organization. I think he will be up with the big team next year. He better play full-time. Uh, I liked his game last year with uh, the Pittsburgh defense. I don't know if he's ready for top-line minutes on Pittsburgh, 
But if he sees action, I'm happy with that. Uh, this guy needs to be in the lineup every day. Uh, he's a good skater, and he's way better skater than most of their defensemen on that team. So hopefully he makes the big club next year. He's a Finn, too. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell by his last name <laughs> no. and first name. Uh, he played 37 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. I didn't even know that, to be honest. I thought he spent most of his time in the AHL. Turns out he only played five games in the AHL this season. Uh, and he had two goals, thir- uh, three assists, and 37 games played for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. Five points. So uh, I think that's all we got for hockey news. Yep. Oh, no, actually, we have lots of Toronto Maple Leafs news. Yeah. There's a lot going on in uh, Toronto sports media this week. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs signed their Marlies head coach to tier contract extension for the Toronto Marlies, the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL club. The Marlies lost in the conference finals to the Charlotte Checkers 4-2. And he's coached the Marlies team since 2015. He has a record of 189-87-28, and they won a championship last year. So he's had success there, and yeah. good signing for them. I'm, I was surprised that they uh, lost the Charlotte Checkers. Um, and I don't think I don't watch AHL hockey at all, but from what I saw, the scores were kind of blowouts in the last two games of that series in the conference finals this year. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I know the Leafs have a, a lot of good young players on uh, their Marlies club down there. I thought they were going to do better, maybe repeat an, another championship this year, but obviously yeah. not. What are yeah. your thoughts on this, though, Thomas? Well, yeah, the guy's name is Sheldon Keefe. Uh, it wasn't in the note there and it wasn't in the sentence that we mentioned, but. It's Sheldon Keefe who's coming back for another two years with the Marlies. People would like to see him as Maple Leafs head coach or maybe even as an assistant coach in the future. Um, Maybe not if Babcock can put together a good year with the Maple Leafs club this year. Maybe Sheldon Keefe is uh, not be coming up to the Leafs. Uh, I like this because Sheldon Keefe has worked with the young players for a significant amount of time. Uh, He likes coaching the younger guys and I think Kyle Dubas likes to put the... um, Sheldon Keefe in that position all the time. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, look at his record. Uh, it doesn't lie. He knows how to win. They have a championship. They won it last year, uh, game seven against the Texas Stars. So Sheldon Keefe knows how to win, and I think he will be with the Leafs organization um, for another two years, obviously. But I think he will be with the Maple Leafs organization a bit longer. I can see him as an assistant coach for this team if Mike Babcock, as mentioned, um, puts together a good season next year. If he doesn't, maybe we see Keefe come up to the Leafs. Maybe we don't. Uh, the future is bright for Sheldon Keefe, so hopefully that uh, continues. I don't know if you knew this, but he was a NHL player for the Tampa Bay Lightning back in the day. Well, yeah, not not good. that long ago, in the early 2000s. But he was kind of like a third, fourth line guy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't he that good. <laughs> hop, hopped back and forth from the AHL to the NHL. He was one of those. So, yeah, he didn't have any success as a player, but he's had success coaching. Uh, he won a championship in the Canadian Junior Hockey League with Pembroke uh, yep. back in 2006-2007. And obviously he won a championship with the Marlies last year. So he's got success. Uh, he's a younger coach, I guess. It's a, yeah, features bright for him. You're right, Thomas. And other um, Leafs news, obviously. We have a lot to, to dissect. If you're not a Leafs fan, maybe you just want to log off for the next 10 minutes. But please don't. We want listeners. <laughs> Maple Leafs have traded the draft rights to Fid, Fid let's pronounce this name right, Fedor Gordiev, 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 to the yeah. Wild in exchange for a seventh round draft choice in 2020. Uh, the Leafs were looking at this guy to be coming up to the Marlies next year as he was a pending uh, free agent for to go back into the draft. Uh, Gordiev recently played with the Guelph Storm and he was very good in, for them in the Memorial Cup and throughout the whole season. Uh, I don't like this move because I think the Leafs need defensemen. They need more younger defensemen. Uh, he adds size to your lineup, and he adds a lot of puck-moving skill. And Fedor Gordiev, uh, whatever how you pronounce the last name, I'm, we're never going to know how to pronounce the name unless he goes to NHL and they pronounce it right. But he's, a, he's an okay defenseman, and I would like to see him on the Marlies. Unfortunately, he won't be with them. Uh, I think he's going to be with the Iowa Wild next year because I think the Wild have signed him to a contract, so he will be with them in their organization. And, I mean, the seventh-round draft choice, you don't know what's going to turn out to. So Yeah, see, that's what I was just going to say. I know you don't, you're don't, you not a big fan of it, but you never know who the seventh-round draft pick will turn yeah. out to be, right? So it's like a bit of a gamble, I guess you could say. 
Um, other news for the, the Leafs decor. I know yeah. Gordy wasn't playing in the NHL with the Leafs on their um, blue, blue line, but Nikita Zaitsev, as I think he reportedly requested a trade. Um, if not, I know that there are trade rumors about him leaving. Uh, Thomas, what's your take on this? Yeah, there are rumors that he requested a trade. Uh, he's unhappy with the organization. I don't know why he's unhappy. The, um, his, I guess, rep or agent has not said why he's unhappy. And the Leafs are going to disclose that for now. It's undisclosed. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev is a solid defenseman in the NHL. There's no question about that. But he comes at a large cap hit. He comes at $4.5 million for the next five seasons. And the Leafs need cap space to sign their younger guys now and in the future. Um, if they want to get those contracts done and, I guess, cheaper, or maybe the players ask for a lot more, I think they want to get rid of Nikita Zaitsev's contract because it's a bit high. Um, what are your thoughts on this, too? Because the Leafs do need cap space, and to trade a guy like Nikita Zaitsev, who's important to their decor, there's no question about that, but, I mean, the, the points aren't consistently getting there for Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, I think he only had three goals last year and didn't record a point in the playoffs or something like that. And, I mean, his cap is bad. We all know it. Well, what do you think about this? Yeah, he's definitely getting overpaid, in my opinion. Um, the way I see it, you have Morgan Riley, Ron Hainsey, Muzzin, Gardner, Zaitsev, and Dermott back um, as their top, or their sixth defenseman. The way I see it, I would be looking to trade either Zaitsev, Dermott, or Gardner. Dermott has a lot of potential. Um, I think... That's why the Leafs are not going to be looking to trade him um, in the future to come at all. Um, and Gardner, I don't know what it is with Jake Gardner and the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it seems like the Leafs just love him and they're, they like can't set apart from him for some reason. I don't think the Leafs will ever trade Jake Gardner. Um, the way I see it is Zaitsev is probably your best bet to, to get him out of yeah. the organization, free up cap space. Mm -hmm. Travis Dermott, he's young. He's uh, 20, I think he's 22 years of age. Um, he's a young defenseman up and coming, and I think he's eventually going to move up to that um, second pairing with Jake Muzzin yep. and, and replace Nikita Zaitsev. So we'll see what the Leafs get for Zaitsev. Yeah. Uh, it's mm -hmm. going to be one of those trades, though, that basically you're making it to free up cap space. Yeah. Because Zaitsev, he only had – well, first of all, he's 27 years old, so he's not young. He doesn't have potential anymore. He should be in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, he played 81 games for the Leafs in the regular season this year. He had three goals, 11 assists, and 14 points. Yep. Not nearly producing enough. I know he's a defenseman, so he's not going to be putting up amazing numbers. But he was yeah, al also only a plus two, by the way. I didn't mention that. And he's not offensive. So. No, he's not an offensive at all. But I don't know. I think – I don't know. I just I, – I'm okay if they end up moving. Uh, as I yeah. I think. As much I, as I I do like him as a defenseman, I think, but I, like you said, they're going to free up cap space if they um, end up moving him, so I'm okay if they do that. That's a good move, I think. I wouldn't be losing sleep over if they traded Nikita Zaitsev. I'd just be losing sleep over what the return is. Um, we do not know what the return is because there hasn't been a trade in place yet. Um, I would assume it's a contract coming back or a low pick in the draft, but when the trade is made, we'll, we will see and we will analyze it, and yeah, from there, we just got to head to the offseason. The Leafs got to get Mitch Marner, Andreas Janssen, Kasperi Kapanen done, and not to burst your bubble, Flager, but Jake Gardner will be leaving the team. He's going to walk in free agency, I think. I yeah, but th I mean, I was just trying to say, like, the Leafs would never trade him for yeah, some reason. Yeah, like, they, I, yeah. they were too, like, emotionally attached to him or something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I, don't I just, know. I'm not a Gardner fan. Many Leafs fans aren't. Or, I don't know. I just – they never – they had so many opportunities, I think, to get rid of him, and they just stuck with him all these years. It is time for him to leave. Like, obviously, yeah, you're right. He probably will leave in free agency, but mm -hmm. they just never wanted to trade him. So, I, I don't know. Other news in the Leafs. Uh, we It's not mentioned on the notes, Flager, but Patrick Marlowe has been in the trade rumors as well. Uh, 15 minutes prior to, we, to when we started recording – uh, he's rumored to go to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, that's the one trade that the Leafs have gotten. But apparently, according to TSN insider Pierre Lebrun, that the Leafs and Kings are not not on good 
terms right now in, in context of the trade. Um, the Leafs will apparently get two contracts back from the LA Kings. I would assume, and I'm just looking at cap friendly right now, but I know their cap hit. I would assume that it's probably one of Trevor Lewis, um, Alec Martinez, a defenseman for the Los Angeles Kings, Derek Fortport, one of them, or Ilya Kovalchuk coming to the Maple Leafs. Um, I don't want to say they're in going to be in the trade, but like I would assume because of their cap it and because Pierre LeBron said their cap a contract's going to come back to the Leafs. So I'm assuming those four players, but uh, we'll see if Patrick Marlowe actually gets dealt. He's a big part of this team and for the young players, as we've seen throughout the whole year with the Instagram videos and like the mentoring on the ice, the ice baths, remember those? Uh, but we'll see uh, for the offseason. Again, they have a lot to do and they need to make change. So I could see Alec Martinez coming from LA to the Leafs. And if the Leafs do move Zaitsev, which they probably will, um, Martinez would probably, for now, replace Zaitsev on that second pairing with Jake Muzzin, who, yeah. by the way, Martinez and Muzzin played together in LA, right? Yes, they, yep, this So I could see Martinez coming. And like you said, LA would be freeing up cap space as well. We'd be getting a hefty contract. Um, and I can't. I don't know. I can't see Kovalchuk coming to the Leafs. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't see it either. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't see it either because like um, I could definitely see Martinez coming to the Leafs though and filling in for that that second uh, on that second D pairing. It would obviously have to be a bigger uh, trade than Marlowe for Martinez, obviously, because that's just that's unfair for the Kings. They're getting a bad contract, and we're probably getting the better player and better need in the trade. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like I. It'd be heartbreaking for guys like Matthews yeah. and Warner mm-hmm. if Marlowe leaves the Leafs, which who knows what'll happen um, because they're just so close, right? Like we've seen on social media, Marner and Matthews have always yeah. been close. They got close with the Marlowe family, not just Patrick Marlowe, but with exactly. uh, Patrick's wife and his kids. Um, and that would be heartbreaking, I think, for for um, some of the players, yeah. the, some of the younger guys that Marlowe was brought in to mentor. Uh, do you want to get off the Leafs news now and just talk? Yeah, about... I think we've been talking about them for a little All bit right. too much, so let's well, move on. Well, hockey fans, tune back in because we're talking about the Stanley Cup Finals now. Uh, we're going to be recapping Game One and Two, obviously. And in the first game, do you want to say the stats or what? What not? You go for it. Okay. Game one. Blues versus Bruins, hyped up game uh, Tuesday night at TD Garden. The Bruins beat the Blues 4-2. Braden Shen scores the first goal of the game. That was a very nice goal by Braden Shen. Uh, It's his third of the playoffs. Good for him. And then early in the second period, Vladimir Tarasenko makes it 2-0 Blues. So the Blues are up 2-0 on the Boston Bruins, but no lead is safe against the Boston Bruins because they score four unanswered goals. Uh, Clifton, Connor Clifton, defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, Sean Corrali, and Brad Marchand get the four goals that were unanswered. Uh, the Bruins came back again, and the Blues did not look good up until, the, I guess, the 19-minute mark in the second period, 19-minute left mark. Uh, they only played a good 21 minutes in this game, and that's unacceptable in the Stanley Cup Finals especially, and especially against the Boston Bruins because the Boston Bruins are just going to come back and come back against you and make you pay for it. And they obviously did. They won game one. So, Did you mention that the shots were 38-20 for Boston? I did not. Uh, I, I wanted you to mention 60 that. minutes. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Boston clearly outplayed the Blues. It took them time to – it took Boston time to wake up in both yeah. games, game one and two. We didn't get to game two yet. Um, but Blues, uh, obviously they've gotten swept. In uh, all of their Stanley Cup appearances, their last one, I guess, would have been against Boston. And if they keep playing like they did in the last 40 minutes of that game, they'll probably get swept in this series as well. But they did. Oh, and also, <laughs> the Tory Krug hit on David Perron. Yeah. No. What do you think about that? <laughs> um. Well, we mentioned before together, uh, it was probably a charging penalty on Tory Krug. But a charging penalty is uh, three strides into the player before you hit him. Uh, no, no stopping, obviously, with your skates. But another point of the charge that you made, Flager, before we even started is he 
wanted to target a Blues player all along. I don't think that's a secret. You no doubt him. about that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, if you want to just follow up on that, like. Yeah. So basically, I don't know. I don't remember who hit Crew. Uh, Crew got wrecked in his own end. The play no, it was, was in... it was with Perron, and then he decked Thomas. Oh my bad, my bad. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so Perron decked Crew in uh, the Bruins end, and Crew basically skated. He skated pretty hard down the ice into the Blues end, uh, where the play was, and he ended up crushing Thomas. And uh, yeah, it was it was controversial. I I think it it definitely when I first saw it, I thought it was a charge. But you're right, he kind of glided into Thomas. It's not like he like power strided like into him. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he he was definitely intentionally targeting Target, a, yeah. a Blues player. So in that sense, it it was a charge. But I guess you need um like both factors to come into play for the charging to get called. Um, but yeah, that was definitely controversial. It was a big hit. This yeah, has been a very physical series, by the way. Yeah. I don't have stats on hits, but man, there's been some <laughs> huge hits. I know Krejci, uh, he's been very physical. Krug, obviously. Patrick Even McAvoy. Patrick, yeah, Pat, like there's just a lot of physicality in this series. Well, there also is a lot of big bodies, and the Bruins have always been known to play with grit, and the Blues have always been known to play with grit. So we're Yeah, they're that. not... They're more of a... Like they have a, a lot of power forwards, I guess. You yeah. Say. Like yeah, they yeah. they dump and chase a lot, and they'll they'll try to bruise you or bruise their the yeah. the uh, Bruins defenseman. Try to mm-hmm. tire him out. That's kind of how they they've been playing in this series. Anyways, let's move on to game two. Well, no, I just wanted to mention something about the hit as well. Okay, go um, for it. Robert Thomas, there's no surprise. He missed the next game. He missed game two actually, uh, but the Blues said it wasn't an injury from the hit it was a previous injury and robert thomas was previously injured um he dealt with i don't know what the actual injury was with his leg arm or something like that but he was dealing with an injury and it got affected i think through the hit i would assume it got affected in the hit the guy got blown up man yeah he did he got lit up that's for sure and i want to mention something about tory krug that guy plays with heart he's not the biggest player he doesn't weigh the most but he has a heavy heart he will Get in, get under your skin. He will play very good. He will play very good offensively, and we know that from Tory Krug. Uh, he plays on the top power play unit for the Bruins, and he's a very, very good defenseman in the National Hockey League. Uh, he missed a lot of time. He missed 20 games at the beginning of the year, and this guy wants a Stanley Cup. So uh, he missed out in 2013 when he joined the team in that year, and he wants to win a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins, obviously, and we're seeing that with his passion and love for the game now. So... Uh, more on Tori Krug in the series. Yeah, so let's move on to game two. Yep. Uh, the Blues, obviously, uh, according to the beginning of our podcast, the <laughs> Bruins, I mean, sorry, the Blues beat the Bruins 3-2 in overtime, and Carl Gunderson got his first playoff goal by winning it in overtime for the St. Louis Blues. Um, Thomas, you have a weird story or something, don't you? I do, yes. Um, well, that was obviously the first game the St. Louis Blues have won in the Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup finals, finals ever yeah. in their franchise history. So that's pretty cool. And to see, and this is my weird set, to see Carl Gunnarsson doing that is unbelievable because Carl Gunnarsson hit the post. I don't know if anyone remembers, but he hit the post with almost a similar shot in the end of the third period. Yeah, there was like two minutes left, I think, right? Yeah. It was like the dying minutes of the third period. You're right. I forgot yeah. about that. And I mentioned to myself, I was like, I would like to see Carl Gunnarsson, you know, score a big goal in his career. He's never done it before in the playoffs. It would be nice to see. Um, A story came out during the intermission, actually. Greg Berube and Carl Gunnarsson went to the bathroom. Not together, obviously. That would be weird. But they went to the... They were in the same bathroom. um, I guess took a piss beside each other or something like that. And Craig Berube whispered to Carl Gunnarsson. He's like, I get like nice shot over there. And then Carl Gunnarsson said to Craig Brube, he's like, give me another shot. And then this was other shot shot in overtime, went in and he wins the game for the blues. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Like to see a former Maple Leaf, Carl Gunnarsson, not very known for his shot or offensive talent to score the overtime winner for the blues is pretty surreal. So good for Carl Gunnarsson. I completely forgot about that story, but I, I do remember hearing about that. That's kind of funny, taking a piss beside your coach. Yeah, your coach. Hey, uh, give me another shot. I'm, I'm going to put the puck in that for you and win this game here. 
that that is pretty cool. Um, anyways, back to game two. Um, Co- Charlie Coyle and Nordstrom scored for the Bruins in this game. Uh, Bertuzzo and Tarasenko scored for the Blues, and then obviously Carl Gunnarsson scored yeah. the third goal. The shots were 37 to 23 for the Blues in this game, and uh, the Bruins didn't look great in the final 24 minutes of this game. They also didn't start great either, in my opinion. I thought the the Blues kind of came out as the the better looking team, and then I think the Bruins kind of came back in the second period and they kind of outplayed the Blues. Uh, that's when they, um, I believe, the Bruins were trailing two nothing going into the second period, if I remember correctly, and then they ended up tying the game two to two and it was two to two all the way up until overtime. Um, and the Blues forwards, they all played very consistent. They forechecked hard. They had some good scoring opportunities, and the the Blues obviously played the better game, and you could see that in the result of the game. Yep. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think it was well deserved on the Blues end. Another uh, another hit that we have to mention. Uh, another targeted hit we have to mention. Uh, Oscar Sungfist made a bad hit on Matt Grizzlick, a defenseman for the Boston Bruins. Uh, that was not good, man. And he got he got suspended one yeah. game for it too. Yeah, it's, by the way. And the, I want to mention something about the referees in this league, like. You gave him a two-minute penalty. Yeah, that was yeah. No, that was I. I, yeah, I could rant about that too. And then he gets suspended. Like, what does that say on the referees? And Gary Bettman, sorry, I'm raging a bit, but like Gary Bettman was at the game and mentioned off the top of the broadcast for Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, the referees are off, and we have to get this going for next year. But hopefully, the referees wake up for the Stanley Cup Finals. They're obviously not awake. Like, look at this. A two-minute boarding penalty for someone who got suspended for one game, and Matt Grizzlick is not traveling to St. Louis. He's injured. He's not playing a game three or four, most likely. Um, now- that was a bad hit. Sorry, I want to interrupt. I just want to say that was a pretty – it wasn't – I don't think Sunquist was intentionally trying to no, hurt Grizzlick. No, no. But – he saw the number. He saw Grizzlick's numbers the whole way oh, when he's going 100%. to the fucking corner. Mm-hmm. The whole way. There was no way. You're telling me that you're not gonna let up on a hit. You're. you're he nailed him from behind <laughs> in the head as well. I know yeah. he wasn't trying to. I don't think he was trying to hurt him. But when you see numbers the whole time when you're going to forecheck a player in the corner, you're not. You don't hit him. Pin him against the boards. Don't hit him like that. Like he did. Like that was just. That was ridiculous. But you're right. The refereeing in this. In the playoffs, it's been controversial, and many fans have not been happy about it. Well, like, not even not happy. Like, dude, why are you calling two minutes for something you know that's probably going to be suspendable, and he's injured? He's it was a hit to it was a hit to the head, by the way. Yeah, in real time, it's hard to tell. Yes, the referees have a hard job, but like, man, the league and the referees have to be on the same page going to next year, or this is going to be such a horrible league to watch officiating officiating wise because it's getting worse and it's it's not getting better and we need the league needs to fix that they need to be on better terms. it's almost looking like the nba right now don't even get me started on the nba and <laughs> refereeing because that no, but... that is bullshit too i i just can't stand basketball on their fouls but that's honestly what it's coming to like it's just super inconsistent you don't yeah, know what's it... gonna get like someone could get destroyed knee on knee we saw it in the the Bruins and, and Leafs in the first round. Yeah, we did. And like, <laughs> it's no call. Basically, nothing. Yeah, nothing came of it. Like, no and then then you have I, I don't I like uh, I don't want to get riled up over this, but the refereeing has been pretty bad. That hit was dirty. Yeah, it was no bad. doubt about Let's it. Let's go back to the hit. Yeah, that was that was bad. Um, he deserves the one game. Uh, one yeah. game minimum, I think for sure. But... I don't know. Do you know? Do you have like an update on Grizzly? And his injury? Well, no, I mentioned it when I was raging. I don't know. Maybe I was too no, but, loud there, but... Uh, no, I know he's not traveling to St. Louis, but do we know how long he'll be out for? Oh, no, I don't know. They haven't said that. I don't think they're ever going to say that yet. Uh, I, d- I don't think they would say that in the finals, to be honest, as the Bruins PR department. But it doesn't look good for the Boston defense now that he's out. He was very, very uh, noticeable. Uh, he's offensive, as we know that. Matt Grizzlick is, and they're going to be without his services for probably game three and four. Um, Oscar Sundqvist is going to be coming out of the lineup, obviously, and Zach Sanford will probably be likely to come in the lineup. Um, 
he's an okay player. I mean, he has size. He's going to hit you in the corner. So beware as the Boston defense. So beware for that in game three. Uh, Robbie Fabry, quick mention, played in this game. Uh, his first Stanley Cup final appearance. I don't know who it was for. I want to say it was for Thomas. Yeah, it was for Robert Thomas. So. Yeah, he replaced him after, the, after yeah. game one, I think. Yeah, so two hits, two very. Commercial. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Krug one wasn't. Definitely wasn't suspension worthy. No, 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 no. Borderline penalty, maybe. But this one. Yeah, that's. Come that's... on. You're giving him a two minute one. He hits. Grizzly to the head, and Grizzly's on the ice, hurt. <laughs> yeah, and he won't be going to St. Louis, and you give him a two-minute penalty. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Come on. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about. I know we talked about the Blues power play, mm-hmm. um, on last episode. I want to talk about special teams in this series because it seems like special teams could be the deciding factor in this series. Yeah. Uh, the Bruins penalty kill has looked great, in my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts on it are, Thomas, but I think the Bruins' penalty kill has looked very good. They look like they're very aggressive um, when uh, the Blues are setting up in the Bruins' end on the power play. Um, and I don't know if you were paying attention closer <laughs> to the Blues' power play after I mentioned on last episode, but the freaking St. Louis Blues move the puck around beautifully, and they set up a clapper from the point. Like, they're still – I don't know what they're thinking. Like, move the puck around. Try to find an open guy. Try to get him an open look to the net. Let him put the puck in the net. Like Tarasenko, like we mentioned on last episode. They're still doing that with Petrangelo. I know they did it with – I mean, okay, Gunnarsson scored. Um, it was on the power play, actually. No, but, but, it, um, but it was on, like, a man advantage. Was it? Yeah, it was on six on five. Well, because the Blues, well, they got it was a delayed penalty for the oh, right. Bruins. You're right. Yeah, so it was technically. Yeah, you're right. It was yeah. a man advantage. Yeah, but that was it. Wasn't like um, the Blues were set up in that situation. Like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And anyways, I'm just trying to say I don't know what the hell the Blues are doing. You're not gonna score goals from doing the same clappers at the point like that. I don't know what they're. I don't know. I just it frustrates me because the Blues could be so much better, I think, on special teams, and they could probably destroy the Bruins' penalty kill mm-hmm. if they got a guy for an open look. They've been doing it all year, Flager. It's the same thing. Um, I get it with Pareko. He's, the guy's got a bomb. Like, set Pareko, up yeah, sorry. That's that's what I, I was trying to think. Petrangelo, and I forgot about Pareko. Pareko's the other guy that they try to set up for the big clap on the point, too. Anyways, but, continue what you were saying. Yeah, but with Petrangelo, though, Petrangelo can move the puck, and he know, he's known for that as well. To move it to either Tarasenko, Schwartz, Shen, O'Reilly, uh, Robert Thomas when he's in the lineup, Tyler Bozak, Patrick Maroon, I think it's a better look than just taking a slap shot, and it's very predictable on the Bruins' end. Um, you saw that with Joaquin Nordstrom blocking two shots by the same St. Louis player, Colton Pareko, yeah. on the power play. So, and I'm pretty sure both of those shots were basically from the top of the circle. It was. Yes, it was from the point. Yeah. yeah. I just, I really believe that special teams is going to be the deciding factor. There's going to be a big moment in this series, I think, where either the Bruins or the Blues have a power play and they need to capitalize. Yeah. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I, I can, I just think that special teams is going to come down to a deciding factor in, in this series. It's going to play a big part in the rest of it. I want to talk about the Bruins as well. We kind of mentioned it quickly. Mm-hmm. The Bruins need to come out strong at the beginning of Game 3 and Game 4. Yeah. Because they, man, they looked like shit in both Game 1 and Game 2 in the first period. I mean, obviously, they woke up in Game 1. They ended up winning that game. Um, and they came back, obviously. But you can't, in the Stanley Cup Final, you can't be coming out in the first period, the first 20 minutes of the game, looking sleepy like you need to be awake you need to be on your toes you need to be ready you can't you can't be sleeping in Stanley Cup finals at all well even for the last um period in the overtime session for the Bruins part uh they took a penalty a stupid like not a stupid penalty but they tripped Alexander Steen and it led to the goal for Gunnarsson and you can't be starting you, you said it you already said it like like you can't just start the period off shit you can't do that because you're gonna you're gonna pay for it, and they did. Um, Carl Gunnarsson obviously scored the overtime winner. They got to be ready for Game Three. That St. Louis Blues Arena is gonna be loud. It's their first final appearance since 1970. You don't think it's gonna be loud? I wouldn't be surprised if the Blues end up taking both games at home. 
Wow. Because just, I think I, mean, I think I really think that home ice advantage is going to play a big part in in these next two games. Because yeah, San Luis is going to be. You're right. They're going to yeah. be riled up. And like I said, 1970s. That was a last appearance in the finals. And to see your hometown team, the St. Louis Blues, wherever you, wherever you live and you're from St. Louis, you're going to see your team competing for the Stanley Cup in game three and four. And that's very that's very emotional for the fans. And they're going to be very excited to see that. So hopefully the Blues come out good because that would be embarrassing on home ice to look like crap. But the Bruins also need to be um, very riled up. So we're going to – I think we're in, like, in for a little hard first period. In Game Three between the Blues and the Bruins. Yeah, I think I think whoever comes out strong in the first period next game is going to win the game. I think. I also wouldn't be surprised though if the Bruins do wake up and end up coming out strong in the next two games. Um, but, like that wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. Obviously, they're a great team, but they they cannot. They need to be awake well, starting games and starting periods. I wanted to mention something as well, like. The slow starts have to start with the Bergeron line. It hasn't been as good enough. Uh, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand. Marchand has a goal in this series, yes, but it was an empty net goal. Uh, it still counts for a goal. It's a goal. It counts. But that line has to be better. Uh, Bergeron has been quietly very, um, not very, but he's been solid defensively. But he has to be offensively now. So Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron are going to definitely wake up. They're definitely going to be more offensive next game. Uh, I think Marchand. I don't want to call it, but I think he's going to be back to his old antics in Game Three because that crowd's going to—that crowd's going to piss off Boston, the players, and it's also going to piss off a guy like Marshan because if you get under Marshan's skin, he's going to do stupid things, and I think he's going to do that next game. Yeah, I could see it getting heated as well if Marshan does get riled up. Um, I could see him doing his little antics, as you you called it, uh, and I could see the Blues getting pissed off as well, and I, I could see it getting very heated in the games to come. I want to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko for a second. He has been great yeah. in the playoffs, especially the last two rounds. He's on an eight-game point streak right now yeah. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 21 games played in the playoffs right now, 10 goals, five assists, 15 points. He is a minus three, however, by the way. <laughs> but, man, like he has just really turned it on. He's stepping up for the, for, um, the St. Louis Blues. He's looked really good. He's been one of their better forwards, in my opinion. Uh, and another guy I want to talk about too, Jaden Schwartz has also looked amazing for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, he has 18 points in 21 games, 12 goals, six assists. St. Louis has a lot of firepower. They're uh, they have a lot of goal scorers up front. Yep. And like, yeah, like I just I'm shocked with how how Schwartz and Tarasenko have stepped it up for the Blues. Like they they look very good. Yeah, and uh, we'll see that in Game 3 on Saturday night. So, uh, do you want to talk about the IHF World Hockey Championship that we missed out last week? Might as well. We spent a lot of time in the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. Uh, uh, Finland. Were... Yeah, you could say it. Finland won the, the World Championship. Uh, Canada was the runner-up. They won silver. And Russia, I believe, Yep, they won uh, bronze. Won bronze. Uh, leading point-getters in this tournament. Our boy, William <laughs> Nylander, had 18 points in eight games played, five goals, 13 assists, and he was a plus 16 in the tournament. Thomas, we talked about how, before we started recording, mm-hmm. how Sweden kind of played some uh, shittier teams in this <laughs> tournament. But yeah. 18 points in eight games, not still bad. Pretty, yeah, still that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty freaking good, yeah. Uh, another leading point getter in this tournament, two Russians, Nikita Kucherov, uh, no surprise there. Had ten games played, six goals, ten assists, sixteen points, and he was a plus eleven. And then the other Russian, Nikita Gusev, uh, he had four goals and twelve assists and sixteen points in ten ten games played, and he was a plus twelve. Uh, some Canadians are up there, fifth ranked fifth and sixth in uh, points. Mark Stone had ten games played, eight goals, six assists. 14 points, he was a plus 10, and then Anthony Manta, who was tearing it up in the tournament, uh, nine, nine games played, seven goals, seven assists, and 14 points. I believe Manta, wasn't he hurt in the final? No, he was suspended in the quarterfinals versus Czech Republic. My bad, yeah. That's... Or no, sorry, 
Um, I don't, I don't know when he, I think he was suspended in the quarterfinals. I believe so. But in the semis, the Canada played Czech Republic. They obviously beat them, went on to the finals and lost. So, but yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, that's really all the players I wanted to mention. Uh, Jakub Voracek also kind of tore it up. He had 16 points mm-hmm. in 10 games for the Czech Republic. Four goals, 12 assists, and he was a plus 10. Uh, Patrick was- Kane was the the Americans' top point getter. He had two goals, 10 assists, and 12, 12 points in eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that's kind of rare, seeing Kane to get more assists than goals. Well, I mean, obviously you can set up. Set up players for yeah. goals, but two only two goals in the tournament. That, that kind of shocked me a little bit. Yeah, and the Americans didn't have a good tournament at all. Uh, they didn't make the final four, which was a goal for them at the beginning of the tournament. Uh, I just want to mention Finland, man. They have been quietly dominating the hockey world the last two years. Uh, in the under eighteen under eighteen World Championship, uh, they won gold. In that that was last year in twenty eighteen. Uh, in the World Junior Championship, they won. Gold, Capocaco scored the game winner against the United States of America. And then in the World Championship of 2019, they win gold against Canada. And their route wasn't easy to the finals at all. They no, played the Americans, right. the Russians, and Canadians. Like, man. Those are the three top uh, hockey countries in the world, minus Sweden. Sweden's pretty damn good, too. But they didn't verse Sweden going on to the final, and that's pretty hard to do. And... <laughs> The thing that's hard is because Finland had no NHL players on their lineup besides Henry Yoki Hairu, rookie defenseman for the Blackhawks, and Yuso Lamico for the Florida Panthers. And quick to mention, both of those guys didn't score a goal in the NHL this year. So they literally had zero NHL goals on that lineup, and they won. Uh, another thing that impressed me in this tournament for Finland, they're goaltenders, man. Oh, yeah. Oh. Just amazing. I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce their names, so cut me slack if I butcher these. Um, Lank, Lankinen, Kevin, yeah. or sorry, Kevin Lankinen was their, their starting, starting goalie, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in that for, I believe, seven games, eight games, or something like that. He had seven wins. His save percentage was .942, a 1.5 goals against the average, and he had two shutouts. Then their backup, UC... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Just say it. Okinoro or something. Or <laughs> Something like that. He only played one or two games in this tournament. He had one win. His save percentage was point, um, 1.0. He had a shutout in his only game played in the tournament, which was pretty impressive. Yeah. And the Finns, like, man, again, they've been quietly dominating the hockey world the past two years and Capo Caco is going to be a player in the NHL, man. Like, one in New Jersey or the Rangers is going to be blessed with Capo Caco because he, he adds a lot of skill and a lot of size to your lineup. He may not hit you all the time, but he, you can't hit him off the puck sometimes. Like, I, I saw Mark Stone. Mark Stone's a big guy, and he tried yeah. to hit Capo Caco off the puck. Couldn't do it. Like, Capo Caco just kept skating with the puck. And it's going to be exciting next year to see him in the NHL. So. Uh, yeah, Finland's on the rise, and they partied hard. I want to read out Capo Caco's stats for a second. He had 10 games played, six goals and one assist, seven points, and he was a plus 10. Pure goal scorer in this tournament. I think he, uh, from what I've seen, I haven't watched him too closely, but he, I think he's going to turn out like an Alexander Ovechkin. I think he's going to come into the league. He's going to be a little bit flashier like Ovechkin was when he was a rookie. Uh, but I think he's going to kind of find his role. And I think Capo Caco down the road could get more physical. Uh, like you said, he is strong on the puck. Yep. Guys can't really knock him off the puck. Uh, so I, I I would compare him to Alexander Ovechkin, I think. I don't know if you disagree with me, Thomas. It's a hot you're... take, Flicker. That's a hot take. I think, okay, obviously they're different players. But I think down the road he's going to turn out like an Alexander Ovechkin. If you, well, if you yeah. get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. We'll, we'll see, man. Like, I mean – if he goes with the Rangers, he's going to be surrounded by a lot of great NHL players, and he's going to be surrounded with a lot of youth. If he goes to the uh, New Jersey Devils, he's going to have Taylor Hall and Nico Heischer playing with him, Kyle Palmieri, guys like that. Uh, so it's going to be exciting for even Hughes as well. Hughes is going to be surrounded with great players. He's also a great player. There's no doubting that. But we're going to see both of them in the NHL probably in their first year. 
like Ovechkin and Crosby, uh, probably dominating together in the league. And they play in the same division. They're probably going to be playing in the same division. So that's, that's yeah. pretty, yeah, that's it's pretty exciting. going to be interesting, yeah. I'm trying to find stats on Jack Hughes right now. Zeros across the board. No, I'm just I was, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, don't I, think know he had, I think he had uh, one assist in the tournament, but that also has to do with the fact he was going on the third line. Yeah, game. he was on the third line, and he's had no experience against older men, and Capo Caco has, so maybe that's a slight advantage to Caco in this tournament. But for the NHL draft, I don't see it affecting it as, as much. I think Hughes is still going first overall because he's a skilled centerman, and those don't come often in the NHL uh, draft. So um, I don't think this tournament obviously like affects anything in the draft. Yeah, it but shouldn't. It, I don't think it, it should play a big factor. You're right. I, like, but if it does, go, I mean, go on. Yeah. But if it does, I mean, like, if Kako Kako goes first overall, there's that's not even a bad pick either. Like, it's it's whatever. Like. They're both good players, and they're both going to be good in the future. That's simple as that. Yeah, well said. I think that's all we really got uh, for double IHF World Championship Tournament. Are you looking to sign up with the online sportsbook for the first time or just looking to place bets through an online sportsbook? The Breakdown has you covered. Check out mybookie.ag and use our code BRKDWN. Again, BRKDWN. DWN, and you will get a 50% off bonus on your deposit up to $100. That means if you deposit $100 using our code, you get $50 free. Again, use our co- code BRKDWN on my bookie now. We, we covered it pretty well. It's a good tournament. Uh, I just want to mention one thing about Battle of Buds quickly. <laughs> okay. um, last week, we mentioned that our records were 5 and 9, but I want to mention that. In the first round, you took taken that we went one and seven each mm-hmm. in the first round only. Yeah. Since the since after the first round, uh, in the second round, we're both four and two, uh, so we we gotta turn things around. Uh, and right now, yeah. we're mm-hmm. on an even playing field. I think I have the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup, and Thomas has the Boston Bruins. So we will see who wins Battle of the Buds um, after the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, for sure. That's really all we got for today, I think, Thomas. Yeah, that's all we got. And obviously, we always do the last words at the end of the episode. So, um, obviously, lots more contact on thebreakdownsports.com. So, look to that. Uh, we post articles probably every day on the Twitter account. So, go follow us on Twitter at the Breakdown Sports. That's B-R-K-D-W-N Sports. Um, Flagger, anything you want to mention lastly? Yeah, go Raptors, baby. Oh, yeah, that too. Man, yeah. like... I'm, it's crazy, like the atmosphere in the city, not just Toronto, but uh, like the greater Toronto area, like Toronto, Brampton, the atmosphere is just electric right now. Uh, even here in Waterloo, I'm in school right now in Waterloo, and we're like, everyone's hyped. It's just, it's something special. We haven't seen a, a Toronto team exactly. in a major sport exactly. make, make the finals. Uh, well, no I haven't seen that in my lifetime, I don't think. Nope. You haven't seen it. Unless I mean, the Toronto can... Argos, Canadian <laughs> football. Other than that, yeah, TFC. I guess TFC. That was pretty big too. It wasn't as big as the Raptors no, making the finals, and I'm sure if the Leafs or the Blue Jays made the finals, that would be huge too. Um, but yeah, like the atmosphere here is just electric right now. So go Raptors. Yeah, and I think that do, does it for the 15th episode of the N10 Puck Talk podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Vessio. And alongside me is Andrew Flager, and we will chat with you next week.